Hi, and welcome to another episode of Oconus, Contractor's Life. I'm your host, Scott Dresser. My guest today is Dwayne Thompson. Uh, he is a South African native who uh, transplanted to the UK. He's a uh, former member of the UK uh, Defense Forces, infantrymen, and a private security contractor uh, currently working overseas. So he's on the other side of the world. Um, Dwayne, welcome to the show, man. Hey, good evening, uh, Scott, or should I say good morning? Yeah. <laughs> quite, a, right. quite a bit of a time difference between us here, hey? It is. It's morning for me and evening for you. Correct. Yes, yes. How you doing uh, today? I'm doing real good, man. I really do. Uh, doing fine. Uh, you know, as, as, as we sometimes talk about amongst ourselves, uh, you know, it's a good day, man, if I'm above ground and standing vertical, right? 100%. Every day above ground is a good day. <laughs> <laughs> it I say is. that all the time. My kids look at me like I'm very strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you know, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, uh, our experience is that, uh, you know, we we get we take a different viewpoint on things, don't we? After a time. Oh, 100 percent. You know, um, with you know people with our sort of backgrounds, that we tend to look at things a lot differently than than the average civilian would. You know, um, so sometimes with a bit too much uh, comedy value in, in seeing what you know what we take out of it but that's just the, the, the military banter side of life you know yeah um so Dwayne, uh for the folks listening uh why don't uh why don't you uh tell them uh what it was you were doing um uh, prior to getting into the world of private security contracting and uh okay. what it was or how you got to the point where you started being a contractor um sure Great question. Um, well, you know, obviously we could sit you all night and I could give you the whole rundown. It'll take hours and hours. However, I'll give you a quick brief, <laughs> a brief synopsis, you know. Um, so obviously you can tell from my, from my accent that, uh, you know, I'm a South African-born British national. Um, when I was around 20 years old, I decided to, to join the military in the UK and become a member of the Her Majesty's Armed Forces. Um, and that was in 2001, October. So a month after 9-11. Um, you know, and as you can imagine, you're starting your basic training a month after 9-11, you know, the corporals that are taking you through your training uh, are obviously beating it into you or not beating physically, but, you know, ingraining <laughs> it into your mindset that, you know, the possibility of us going to war is, is now really on the, on, on the table. Um, and that's pretty much what, you know, drove me throughout my whole military career, um, knowing that you know, at some point I'm going to, I'm going to deploy to, to somewhere in the world and go and, you know, do the job I'm trained to do. At that point, uh, you know, I went and did a couple of tours. Um, you know, my first tour was in Bosnia. And then after that, I went to Iraq several times. And and I had a great military career. I, I spent just short of 11 years in the military. Um, I was a section commander. I was in a sniper platoon. I did a whole bunch of, you know, weird and wonderful things. And some of the things I can't really discuss. But, you know, I had a great career and I really enjoyed being in the military. Uh, Roll on to the end of, you know, 2010, and I just returned back to my battalion from doing a two-year stint at a, a training center in, in England, training new recruits into the military. Um, and, you know, my wife and I were newly married, had a, you know, fresh baby, uh, brand new baby on the way. Uh, and, you know, my wife was getting a little bit 
itchy about wanting to move back to South Africa. And I said to her, well, you know, I've been thinking about doing this contracting thing. And, and like any contractor will tell you, you know, if you're married, it's not your decision. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, if the wife doesn't okay, it's, uh, it's, it's not happening, you know. So, you know, I, I, I didn't want to lie to her or be, tell her half truth. So I told her the, the truth about what it would entail and all the rest of it. And she said, look, you know, if it's something that I'm passionate about, because she knows I'm quite a passionate person, and that if I have something on my mind and something that I want to do, uh, a new challenge, so to speak, uh, you know, nothing's really going to stop me um, from from going and giving it a, a, a try, you know, giving it my best shot. Um, you know, backtrack a couple of years to 2007 uh, when I was out in Iraq doing, uh, you know, specific uh, roles out there as an infantryman. I bumped into a few friends of mine who were doing contracting at the time in Iraq. And uh, between the years of 2004 and 2009, I'm sure you're aware, you know, a lot of respect for those guys that were out there doing that contracting because, you know, it was a completely different world um, than what it is today. It was a lot, uh, I'm not going to say more dangerous. It was a different type of danger, um, if that makes any sense. Uh, the guys were, you know, going out there and, and doing the job, you know, for, let's be honest, for the money. They, they were getting paid a really, really great uh, salary. Uh, and a lot of guys saw it as a quick buck. They went out there, did it for, you know, a couple of years, paid off their house, paid off their cars, their debts, and then left. And that, to me, was, you know, back then, probably the good call. That's that's what you should have done. You know, things have changed since then, um, which I'll get into a little bit later. So, you know, speaking to those guys, that's when it was first ingrained into me, about 2007, 2008. But look, this is what I want to do. I want, I want to, you know, when I'm finished in the military, I want to do this. But I also didn't want to be too old to do it. So I wanted to leave at a certain point. And you know, with my wife wanting to go back to South Africa, it kind of like all fell together in place. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to do my year's notice in the military and I'm going to leave and I'm going to go and pursue this career. Uh, luckily for me, I have some really good friends who introduced me to um, some training companies and that because, you know, the way it is today is, is you spend a lot of money just getting into the contracting world by doing courses and all the rest of it. So my first gig uh, was in 2012. Uh, May 2012, and it was actually maritime security, believe it or not, because maritime mm. security at that point was going through this huge um, um, bubble, like this huge uh, expansion, and a lot of guys were getting out and doing that. Um, mm. So I decided to jump on the whole, you know, maritime security train, and that's what I did for a year. I got out, and that was my first my first gig, uh, doing maritime security, working the the coasts between, uh, you know, Somalia and Sri Lanka. It was a it was a great great gig um, until obviously they started reducing the the manpower and also the wages. It, it kind of didn't you know the it's this whole risk versus reward thing. And I found that the risks and the sacrifices because like uh, I'm, as you're aware, but you know for those of your listeners that aren't fully aware of it, the sacrifices that you make as a contractor on your family life especially are quite quite. Uh, large and and they are not something that you can just dismiss easily so you know i decided time to move on and get into the get onto what we call the circuits and uh, the hostile environment circuit and again luckily enough i had a friend who was working out here in afghanistan who said to me hey look you know if you've got your cp course done i'll get you a gig out yeah and that's how i got into to contracting in afghanistan mm, okay uh cp course i mean you and i and other people in, in the industry know what that is. Uh, can you uh, tell people what CP is? Sure. Uh, so CP stands for close protection. Um, 
you know, another <coughs> name for it would be bodyguarding, if you want to call it that. Um, but like I said, you know, we, we call it the circuit. Now, there's two circuits, really. There's, you know, there's the circuit for hostile environment, HE side of things. And then there's the circuit for guys who are more like bodyguards who work mainland back at home, you know, in their, in their, in their countries of residency. Uh, where they have a client that they specifically look after and, you know, specifically tailored to that one individual's needs. However, the hostile environment side of things, from my experience, is, you know, as a close protection operator or officer, depending on which company you're working with, what, what terminology they use, um, you have multiple clients on that one contract because it's a lot of diplomatic contracts, a lot of NGOs and things like that. So you don't have one specific client unless you, you know, um, you're on a very small gig and you have one specific client. So close protection, you know, CP course, close protection courses, you know, they they are, you know, there's quite a few out there. But when it comes to um, companies hiring individuals, which is something I get asked a lot, you know, I get a lot of people come up to me and say, hey, you know, I heard you, I heard you, a, and I, <laughs> I hate to use this term because I don't agree with it. Well, I heard you're a mercenary, you're working out, I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> stop right there, first of all, but <laughs> I'm not a mercenary, okay? Um, right. <laughs> you know, uh, I have got standards and I have morals and I have, you know, rules and regulations and I have to abide by and there are industry standards. Now. It's not like it was, you know, like, uh, um, you know, back in the early days of Iraq where, you know, y- y- if something happened, you just got on a plane and you were able to leave. Uh, right. There is massive amounts of accountability. And these are things that when you do a close protection course now, you get taught uh, and you get shown and, you know, gets explained to you that, you know, things have changed and this is how we do things. So to get into this industry is very, very difficult. Um, I have to explain that to a lot of my friends who who see it as like, you know, something that it's just go do a, a CP course and then you're in. No, unfortunately, that's not the way it is. It's very difficult. It's one of the harder professions I've found to, to get into, first of all, uh, because there is an abundance of good quality operators or officers who are sitting at home without a contract, you know, um, right. who have, who bring a lot of experience to the table. So, you know, companies have got this, this wealth and this pool of just amazing operators sitting, waiting to be employed. So for the newer, younger guys coming, I feel sorry for them because unfortunately it's not as easy to get into these days as it was you know, back in the early days, um, right. and unless you have a friend who can recommend you, which is the only reason really I got into it, you know, it's by recommendation, or else I probably would have, would have, you know, not made it into the industry. Um, but like getting your foot in the door, and uh, getting your first gig, uh, it's exciting, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a wonderful feeling to, to have somebody or a company think that you are, you know, um, you will be a good member of their team and they send you your contract. I remember getting my first contract, as silly as it sounds. Um, it reminded me of the day I joined the military, you know, like when I finally mm. walked into, into into the barracks and and they were like, you know, welcome. You're now part of this this brotherhood of, you know, men and, and this organization. It, for me, leaving the military was a huge decision and, and getting into contracting, I, you know, waiting for that first contract, got that first contract and it was that same feeling of, you know, I've got the email along with the contract saying, hey, welcome, you know, from now on you will work for us, blah, 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 blah. And, and that feeling of uh, joy, if I want to put it, you know, of getting your first contract, I still remember to this day. And, and mm. it's, it's something that's, that's kept me, you know, going o- over the years. Um, yeah. 
just to know that you're actually part of a of another kind of brotherhood you know we are another group of 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 i won't just say men because there's a lot of women that work in this industry and i've worked with a lot of women who are you know highly capable individuals and and sometimes put us us to shame <laughs> in terms of the fitness side of things but you know uh we won't talk about that too much but yeah you know it's, it's just a great industry to work for these days and i'm and i'm very happy to be a part of it so yeah that's right. basically how how i got into contracting yeah wow yeah um that was a that was a great um explanation um so uh pretty much clarified a lot of stuff um so so for eight so you began um you've been doing this now for eight years is that correct yes that's correct okay um and so you've been on a number of contracts with a number of companies um so for the person that's listening out there whether it's somebody that's thinking about you know doing this or whatever or the person that just wants to know more about what it's really like um can you um uh briefly describe you know what's what from your perspective and your experiences work for these different mm-hmm. companies uh what i mean there's b- good companies there's better companies and then there's companies you kind of wish <laughs> you had to work for right <laughs> of course there's always yeah <laughs> yeah uh, you know i've had the opportunity you know and luckily so to work for a number of of um different companies i won't go into uh, specifics but luckily for me i've not really had an, a bad experience when it came to the companies that i work for um like i said you know back in the day i've heard all the horror stories and there's a lot of guys that work out here who who did work those those convoys in iraq and uh those those you know terrible days where you know people were were getting injured and losing their lives on a daily basis uh, who still work in the industry today and who bring a wealth of experience to the table um, yep. and who are you know, still out here, still doing the job, still grinding away and, and listening to them talk over the fire, you know, with a few pieces of meat that, that are on the barbecue. Um, hmm. And you hear the stories and you go, wow, you know, I'm so glad I didn't work for that company because I don't think I would have been able to hack it, to be honest. You know, companies hmm. that wouldn't pay you for months on end and companies that wouldn't. Uh, provide you with the necessary equipment or the correct um, paperwork or anything like that. So, you know, it's very difficult to to imagine being in that position. But there are companies, you know, we call them fly by nights. You know, they mm. they come in, they take the big contracts, take the money, uh, do a very minimalist uh, uh, style of approach to the the work ethic and and to the the job. And then just bail out and take the money and run sort of thing. And unfortunately, it's the contractors on the ground that bear the brunt of the punishment, you know, um, mm, right. not too long ago, there was a, there was a couple of British national guys who, you know, on the maritime side of things who, who were arrested and kept in, in, in jail for, you know, close to six years mm. because of a paperwork issue on the company side. So the company didn't wow. pay for it, but the contractors did, you know, so wow. and there are these horror stories <laughs> that come out. So luckily for me, I've not had any, terrible experiences with companies like you said there are good companies and then there are better companies um, each each company i find that i've worked for has their own style of doing things however you know when i joined things have changed for the better already because of the bad publicity that you know contracting has had in the past 
Uh, and unfortunately, right. you know, no news sells better than bad news, you know. So you don't hear <laughs> of all the good stories, you know, um, that, that have happened. You only hear about the bad ones. And they kind of linger around and follow you around like a bad smell for, for quite some time, which yeah. is which is a bit sad because, you know, most of the, the companies um, that – well, all the companies I've worked for and most of the companies that I know about today all uh, re- are, are regulated and abide by the – the PSE one and the ISOs and all the rest of it. So there's a lot of regulation in place and it's for the better. It's, you know, it's to protect us as contractors. It's to protect the client, which is most important, of course. And it's also, you know, to protect the local community that we work in amongst, you know, it's not like we, um, you know, we segregated from the local community. We actually work hand in hand with the local community uh, and have, you know, local uh, staff members that, that, that are on our team. So we have to, we have to remember that this misconception of how things used to be is not how it is today. And of course, you're still going to get the bad apples in the bunch, um, but there there are severe consequences for people who step out of line. And and that's you know that's why for me personally, it's no longer a game of get in, make the quick buck, and get out. For me, right. this is a career. You know, I've I've decided to make this hmm. my life um, with great sacrifices, but. You know, again, so you, you put take a piece of paper out, pros on the one side, cons on the other, and you, you write them down. You sit and you discuss them with your wife, and and if she's on board, like I said, she's the boss. <laughs> she's the colonel <laughs> chief. So if she's if she's happy with it, then uh, yeah, we're good. We're good to go. That's um, funny you mentioned that because I've got a block right in front of me that my wife set there not that long ago to remind me and then it reads happy wife happy life yeah so you're absolutely right man you hit the nail on the head i mean if, if you're a married guy um you know and that's something we don't often talk about we know it from experience but we don't often talk about and, and i think most people don't really understand or certainly don't appreciate is what you're talking about the the yeah. the sacrifices and the strains and stresses that go along with oh, it's, uh, it's with with this kind of work. You know, you don't realize. You know, we're not talking about sacrifices. You know, to elaborate on that. You know, we'll put it into context. So, um, for me, most of my contracts have been nine and three, uh, nine weeks on, three weeks off. So, if you take it over the year, that's nine months of the year I'm in country working, and three months of the year I'm at home. I mean, that's that's a large amount of time to sacrifice, you know, um, and that's the main that is really the main sacrifice right there is the fact that you're not at home. You're not at right. home for birthdays, for Christmases, for an anniversaries, you know, right. and over, you know, in your first year of doing it, you don't really notice it that much. Um, it's when you start getting into year two, year three, year six, you know, <laughs> and you start looking back and you go. I'm like, you know, where have I been for my for my kids' childhood? Like, I've I've right. missed so much stuff. But then, on the other hand, you know, you have to also think about the positives that you're getting out of this. And 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 for me, I look at friends of mine who work at home, and they work a nine to five, six days a week. They see their kids for an hour in the morning, and they see them for maybe two hours in the evening, um, and that's that's their life. On the Sunday, you know. They, they might have a one family day every couple of weeks, but they'll all go and do their, they all go and do their own things. You know, they have their own lives in it. Um, so realistically, they don't really see their kids that much, although they're there. Whereas right. for me, when I'm actually at home, 
I'm at home. I leave all my work behind me. Um, I don't bring anything home with me. Uh, I've, I've made that, you know, one of my main priorities is that, you know, what happens on my rotation, uh, you know, will stay there. Unless it's something, you know, that's that's happened that I need to talk about, then I'll speak to the wife about it. And, you know, you, you know we'll talk. And, and usually she is a great uh, listener, um, but she also likes to tell me off when, <laughs> when I'm, <laughs> when I'm being a little bit overdramatic, so, you know, um, but you need that, you know. Uh, so, yeah, you know, like when I'm at home, it's quality time. Um, and also, if I was working at home, you know, for my own business or for someone else, I'd be working, I'd be making a living, really. That's all it would be, making ends meet right. every month. Whereas now, uh, the money is not like crazy had used to be back in the day, but it's still a lot better than what I would be making back home. Um which is sad, but, you know, unfortunately, that's, you know, you can make these sacrifices, then you know, I expect to to have some sort of benefits out of them. And one of them is being able to do things with my family when I'm at home that I would not normally have been able to do or, or afford to do or have the time to do. So it, it, it's, it, it is a sacrifice, but I'm also getting something out of it. And, and right. you know, like I said to my wife, you know, the day that I wake up and go, this is not worth it anymore. It's the day that I hand my my notice and I walk away because that's that's when you know you you don't want to fall into that trap of of being out here to make ends meet that that should not be the game uh, or the right. goal out here you should be out here to have a good comfortable life if you're out here just to make ends meet then you know that's a that's a very that's a very serious position you've put yourself in because we have a saying at Chan that there's no security insecurity at any stage. <laughs> Man, <laughs> no that's, I, I have, I've heard that for so long, but <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, uh, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow I could wake up and you know the contract could fold and I'd be sent home. So right. you know, you've got to have a plan. You, you, and my wife, she she knows that about me that I like to have plans. She sometimes complains way too much about it. She says you plan too much for everything. Why can't you just live? I'm like no, 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 I have to have a plan. <laughs> so. You know, yeah, sacrifice, but, you know, I'm getting something out of it as well. Um, and and I enjoy the work that I'm doing. I work with a great bunch of guys. I work for a great company at the moment. I have a good welfare system in place, um, you know. So it's and, – and the other thing as well, which which is, is amazing, is the fact that you and I can have a conversation, you know, on the other side of the world. And that comes into play when speaking to your family as well. I can just pick up the phone – make a video call speak to my family speak to my children and and uh it's it makes things a lot easier you know i, I don't know what i would do if i didn't have internet or <laughs> the ability to make these uh video calls with the family because that would be it would make life a lot harder a lot harder i remember my first tour in iraq we were sending letters uh, we used to call them blueies so you got this blue envelope uh that you opened up and you wrote your letter in and then you sent it through the post service and it got sent back to the UK and t- you know, 10 days later, your family member got to read your letter, mm. you know, and that's how we used to communicate. Uh, I don't yeah. think I'd be out to doing this job if that's the way I was having to communicate with my family. So. Right. Yeah, no, it, um, man. Yeah. You touched on a lot of, a lot of topics there. Um, just on the home side stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, there's, um, the, the the whole family side of it and uh you know some guy like you said some guys are still in it uh they've managed to figure it out with their wife and kids um uh, other guys you know the marriage didn't last and still others uh you know said you know what i've been doing this long enough time to get out 
Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Time does fly, and you do miss oh, an so awful so lot so of stuff. Good. And uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, so, you start off with a two-year plan, and then it's a five-year plan before you know yeah. you're ten years into your five-year plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it goes really quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, speaking. So while we're on that, uh, you know, your wife and and your kids. I mean, they're they're still okay with it. I mean, and I'm sure they yeah. miss you, but oh, but they understand what you're doing, and and they're good with it, huh? Well, you know, luckily for me, and and I'm and I am lucky in this respect, is the fact that. Okay, so my kids are nine and seven. So this is all they've really ever known. Um, it's not like I was at home for a long period of time or even a short period of time, you know, a couple of years, and then decided to get into contracting. Um, it's something that they've, they've, you know, always known as dad's home for a little bit, and then he's away for a long time, but he's coming back soon and he'll be home again. And, and they've kind of got used to it. Um, you know, around about you know, when my daughter, when my son was four and when my daughter was four uh, on separate occasions, they each had a moment where it was like tears at the airport and all the rest of it. But, um, you know, right now they, they, you know, kids are resilient and they can, they, they've taken it in their stride. Um, right. Hence why I say I'm lucky that for me, it's all they've ever known. Um, the wife, she really struggled with it in the beginning um, because, you know, when I was in the military, you would go away. Uh, for six month tours every now and again, but you would do a lot of beat up training for those tours. So you'd be away on exercises and doing certain courses and things like that. Um, so she kind of knew my lifestyle was, you know, I'm not always around, um, but I don't think she fully realized how much time apart we would actually be spending when I started contracting. And to be honest with you, I didn't really fully comprehend that myself when I was getting into it. <laughs> mm. um, and, it was it was an adjustment, you know, um, for both her and I. Um, like I said, for the kids, it's all they've ever known. So I've been really lucky. Uh, but yeah, it was an adjustment. But we've managed to, you know, be honest with each other. I find that's like the the key. Um, you can't, you know, if, if you're having one day where you're not really feeling, you know, up to it, or you're feeling a bit down, you need to be honest. Talk about your feelings. Talk about things, you know, because the distance apart really takes its toll in your marriage. And there's a lot of good friends of mine and a lot of people that I've worked with who've lost their marriages due to contracting. And I've always maintained this steadfast, you know, conviction that my family and my marriage is more important than this job, which right. is also one of the main reasons I left the military because the military, their ethos was the needs of the military come first and everything else a close second. Right. Uh, and <laughs> that changed when I had a, you know, a wife and a child. Um, I could no longer put the needs of the military first. Um, they, they became my priority, which is the whole reason I'm out here in the first place. Right. Yeah. yeah um, uh, was it, your your thing about the airport, man. Yeah, I yeah. I, I I remember. You, man, you, I mean, it's you hit it right on the head. I, I, yeah, well, I remember. Yeah, you're right. And in, in the beginning, you know, the the wife and the kids are all crying and everybody's sad, and it's like, you know, and it's like, man, talk about making me feel bad about getting on the plane. It's <laughs> yeah. terrible. It's such a gut wrenching feeling. It's like your heart is being torn out and ripped apart. Yeah. But you know that, like, give it a week, maybe two. You know, once routine takes over and they get into the routine of going to school, you know, life kind of distracts them and you get back into the routine of things. And, yeah, it is. Those days are hard. Eh? Those those days of going to the airport were, were probably some of the hardest days I've ever had. Eh? Right. 
Yeah. Well, and and then like you said though, uh, eventually uh, they do get they do get the routine. And when you come home, uh, my wife used to call it quality time. You know, and she used uh, to say that uh, you know you're gone for you know two, three, four months, but when you come home, you're home. I mean, twenty four seven, and that's and that's that's the kind of quality time you're talking about. So the lifestyle is, is it can be strenuous, but it also has its 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 perks, its benefits, and that's one of them right 100%. there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like like I said before, you know, when I'm home, I'm home. Dad's home, you know, and uh, you know, you need me to fix a buck, I'm I'm fixing a buck. You want me to cut the grass, take out the trash. You know, you know, do the school run, pack school lunches. Or my wife, if she listens to this, she would be like, "Hey, listen, you did that a couple times. Let's not brag too much." You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, when Dad's home, he's home. You know, and uh, it's 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 an amazing feeling to not have any real responsibilities when it comes to work when you're at home because right. your mind you can you can really decompress and just you know relax. You're at home, you're safe, you're with the family, with people who love you, and, and you just you enjoy life for those three weeks that you're at home, you know? You, you um, betcha. And also, you know, you know, the upside, of the, well, you know, the downside is those days where you're leaving, but, man, walking out of that arrivals terminal uh, <laughs> to these two amazing little little kids and, and this, you know, amazing wife who, without their support, I'd never be able to do this in the first place. And it's big smiles and it's the biggest hugs and it's that is an amazing feeling. It kind of almost counteracts those, those days of leaving, you know. Well, I remember there was it got it got to a point. It's funny when you mentioned it that my kids didn't even go to the airport anymore to see me off, and they didn't go there oh, to, yeah. to see me come home. It was always just a wife, and it's like wow. I'm, I'm there now. That's that's where I'm okay. at right now. They're like, cheers, that see. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, oh. Like guys, you know, come to the airport. No, no, we're good. <laughs> right. You know, oh, you, yeah. you talked about that decompression, and 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 mm-hmm. you know the company that you're working for. Um, I've not heard otherwise. Um, you know, there it was different earlier in, in the after the you know in the second Gulf War that you know sometimes guys would get called up and say hey we need you back right now, but yeah. uh, they they understand the importance of uh, of you getting out, getting your head out of it, go home, relax, 100%. forget about this, and uh, yeah, so they're really pretty good about it. You really don't hear from them until you know a few days, maybe a week out. Uh, just to make sure that you're still coming back. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, the companies these days, um, you know, they really are out there to look after your well-being. You know, that you know, and I don't just mean your physical well-being, but I mean your mental well-being as well. You know, I can't even tell you the amount of um, surveys and online courses I've done. You know, regarding to mental health as mm-hmm. well as you know physical. You know. Um, and, and they understand the importance of going home. And, and, you know, if you're on a rotation, let's keep you on that rotation. Let's not bring you back if we don't have to bring you back. They have reserves that they can cover you if, if the, you are needed to be back. Because um, they understand, like you said, you know, that right. quality time at home is a huge decompression session for you to release everything, all the stress from the rotation before and get out nice and fresh, recuperated and just ready to tackle any challenges that come on the next nine-week rotation. And, right. you know, that's why you say you have good companies and you have better companies. And you know, most of the good companies are doing that, which is, which is you know, an incredible thing to see because even my short period of working in this industry um, of only eight years 
in the beginning, there were companies that were asking their guys, hey, we need you to extend another month or we need you to cut your leave short by two weeks. And um, But luckily that has now come to come to some sort of uh, you know, end. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's I remember experiencing some of that myself. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, you, you take it in stride. You're not happy with it because you were looking forward to it. You made your plans and whatnot. But uh, yeah. I always I always took it in stride. Uh, the wife got to the point where she took it in stride. It didn't happen a lot, but it, it did happen. And uh, usually just because events unfolding on the ground, um, you know, uh, that and, you know, sometimes let's, let's, let's be honest. Sometimes people go out on uh, rotation, go home and they don't come back. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, like, you know, a lot of people, you know, so there's this huge misconception of what we actually do um, that I've found in my experience. You know, when people look at me and they go, you know, what do you do for a living? And I, and I explain to them, uh, I'm, I work for this um, organization providing this service. And they'll go, oh, so you are a mercenary. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> not mercenary. Okay, uh, this is what I do. This is my career path. It's not something that I'm looking to just get in and get out. Uh, this right. is something I've decided to do for the rest of uh, for as long as I can, you know, mm-hmm. uh, until I'm either too old or, you know, knees start giving in or something and I can't do this anymore. <laughs> uh, so there's this huge misconception and, and then they go, oh, yeah, you know, I watched this movie and this movie and, you know, Hollywood has never really portrayed us in the in the best uh, light. Uh, right. But, you know, when I explain to them, look, at the end of the day, you know, this is my, this is, this is actually what I do. They go, oh, wow, wow, that's actually, you know, that's, that's quite difficult. How do you manage to do that? And, and they start to realize and start to understand, you know, okay, there's a lot more to this than what I'm reading in the news or what I'm seeing on TV. And, and that's, oh, yeah. that, that's, that sense of me having changed that person's perspective on what we do is, is why one of the main reasons why I decided that I, you know, I would love to, you know, accept your invites to come on, onto the show because, you know, the the easiest way to change people's perspective is to get it out there and let people know what we do. You know? and right. That's why I'm very grateful for you for doing this. It's very, it's very, it's very good. Oh, it's, it's <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> it's my pleasure. I mean, uh, there are, uh, you know, as, as I've said, and, and as you just stated, there are, there's an awful lot of myths, misconceptions and legends out there. And a lot of it, let's be honest, it's perpetuated Perhaps not intentionally, but it is perpetuated through the media and, like you said, Hollywood um, and books and whatnot. Um, I mean, there's still people here, including family members, that uh, uh, don't quite get it, don't quite understand. And I remember when I was over there, my wife would say, yeah, you know, uh, you know, when I'd ask her about stuff when I come home or whatever. And yeah, so and so asked and. You know, where is he? What's he doing? You know, and she'd say, well, he's in Iraq or he's in Afghanistan. And, oh, tell him I said thank you for his service. And she just she started to say, well, no, he's over there. It's a private security contract. And she got all kinds of weird looks, you know. (laughs) And so she just stopped and said, "Okay." So she learned to just say, "Okay, thank you very much. Uh, But, you know, we we do we we do a service when we go over there. I mean, we're not dissimilar. I mean, we don't engage in offensive operations. Um, And and that's something that people it's it's hard to articulate. Maybe you can do a better job of articulating and expounding upon it. But our mission is defensive and and it's and that encompasses a lot. Um, You know, 
100, you, you hit the nail on the head that we, everything that we do is defensive. We are not an offensive um, organization. We, you know, we do not carry out any offensive operations. We do not, uh, you know, we do not go out with the military organizations and do missions and operations with them. That's not the case. At the end of the day, what the, the overriding factor is that once you have left the military, you have you are a civilian. Okay, you're yep. a civilian contractor. If you're working out here, you're a civilian contractor. And you are then accountable um, for many, many uh, laws. And you're also accountable for many nationality, uh, many countries' laws. So you, 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 if, you, if you make a mistake, um, let's say, for instance, you are unfortunate enough to have to use your you know, weapon in self-defense, uh, lawfully, I might add, you will still more than likely have to go to court and be prosecuted and all the rest of it because it's a civilian case. It, you know, civilian against civilian is going to really, you know, you don't, people don't really realize that. It's not like you have special rules, or, you know, like we have a special um, immunity to anything. We are a civilian working in another, in a foreign land. We have to abide by that country's uh, laws and not just by that country's laws that we're in, but also the country of the company that you work for and your own country. So, right. you know, there's a, there's a lot of logistical, like, um, and, and a lot of tape between, between us and, and just, you know, being an offensive organization. There's no way we could ever be an offensive organization because we cannot do it. We, it's got to the point where you can't even use certain words in describing uh, your role and what you do. You know, you can't use offensive words, uh, in terms of military uh, terminology, you know, like you would in the army, call right. them the enemy or whatever. It's no longer, you can't do that, uh, you know. So people don't realize that. They think, hey, I'm out there and I'm, it's the Wild West and, I'm, you know, long hair tattoos and gun running <laughs> and just carrying on like, like, like I own the world and I have this lavish lifestyle. No, not at all. It's, you know, there's a lot of consequences to, to your actions out here. And, and it's yep. good because there needs to be accountability <laughs> so that we weed out those individuals who are only bringing the, the image and the industry down in, in standard, you know. And, right. we, you know, the people out here are all trying to do a professional job um, under very difficult circumstances. I mean, you know, well, it's it not is. easy. It's not easy being away from your family in any um, line of work. But to be away from your family and then be put into a location where your life is at risk every single day that you leave your compound or even whilst you're in your compound. Um, right. You know, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of stress. And, you know, there's a lot of things that you have to to take into accountability. And, you know, and you have to realize that, you know, people out here that are, that are actually, like you said, uh, providing a service, which is what they are doing. They are out here providing a service that in most cases – what I've realized is the governments of the organizations, so whether it be an NGO or an embassy or uh, whatever, have decided that they're going to contract that out to a civilian company to save on cost. Um, you know, instead of using your military guys, you are doing a service and you are here to provide a, a professional quality service to that client. And it's the company and your responsibility to ensure that the men that you have working for the company and the people that are around you are up to the standard. Um, like yep. you said, you know, some people go home and never come back. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they have a sudden 
shift in uh, in hot. Um, and you know, I have a lot of respect for for guys that you know come out here thinking it's going to be something, realizing what it actually is, and putting their hand up and saying, "Hey, guys, look, this is not exactly what I thought this was going to be. Um, right. I don't think this is for me." And if it's all right, I would like to leave amicably, and off they go. Um, and we've had a lot of guys over the years that do that. And, you know, I can't knock those guys. I can't say any bad things about them because at the end of the day, they know themselves enough to know what they can handle and what they can't. And right. and it's not even a case of <clears throat> what they can handle and what they can't. It's just, you know, some guys just, just don't really see the, the, the bigger picture, so to speak, of being out here. And, and they, uh, they, they decide that they've had enough and go home. Right. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, it, the, the the perspective you have uh, when you're over there, say, as a service member and then you and you and because you're it is a totally separate lifestyle being over yeah. there um, in uniform for your country's military and being over there as a civilian in a totally different uniform, which sometimes takes uh, on um, uh, if you especially if you're doing diplomatic um stuff um it often you know casual business attire basically 100 uh, yeah that's exactly yeah, so, yeah. yeah everything you changes know, the mindset all of it and and a lot of guys have difficulty adapting and making that change um and they can't turn right. off that switch you know yeah, the biggest the, the, the biggest mental block that i had with you know i don't want i don't know if block is the right word but the biggest mental challenge that i had when i first started contracting uh especially out in afghanistan was you know, when I kept, when I was on operations with the military, I knew in the back of my mind somewhere I knew that I had this huge military organization who's got my back. You know, mm-hmm. if something happens, they will send in you know an entire regiment to come and get me, and you know I've got this huge backstop, you know, of of protection. When I started contracting, it was one of the first things that I realized very quickly was that I don't have that same degree of protection anymore. I'm, I'm right. not a serviceman anymore. I don't have the same rights as a soldier does. Um, and if something terribly wrong was to happen, I have literally only got myself and the men that I work with in my immediate uh, vicinity to help us get out of that situation. So it, yeah. it became this huge trust thing for me that I now have to you know, trust that this person and, – and I worked with in teams with multiple nationalities. I'm talking guys from – Australia, South Africa, the UK, America, all over the world, Eastern European guys, loads of guys, and all very good operators in their own in their own way, you know. Um, and they all bring something unique to the table. And, and I had to learn very quickly that I need to trust these guys to have my back when something goes wrong, because at the end of the day, there's nobody else. Um, it's, right. it's them, and we have to look after each other. And, and we become this really close knit. Uh, group of guys um, and we train together so one of the, the the key things that i found that helped me and which a lot of companies do is when you arrive in the company you get a training package to bring you up to or bring you in line with the way that they conduct business which is amazing because at the end of it you know okay if this happens this is what we're going to do this is the sop blah 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 and that's kind of alleviates a lot of the stress. But if you go out there and you work for a company that doesn't do the sort of thing and they just rely on whatever military background you've had, um, you know, you don't get the same sense of uh, comfort feeling that, you know, if something goes wrong, how's this guy going to react? You know, like, how am I going to, you know, get through the situation with this guy? And it became a huge trust thing for me. But 
once I realized that the quality of the guys that are working at you is really top, you know, you know, really good, good bunch of guys, um, it became a lot easier for me. And, and, you know, I've had my bubble burst a few times where, you know, I've been in a few incidents out here where, you know, I thought I was nice and safe sleeping in my bed and the next thing the wall was falling down and you know, things were happening. And, and it's after situations like that where you, you sit down and you go, man, um, you know, is, is this something that I can continue doing? Like, am I, how do I feel about this? And you have to be right. very honest with yourself. You cannot lie to yourself because to do so would be at your own peril. You know, if you, if you think that you can't, you know, if you can't hack it, uh, and I hate using that terminology, then you really shouldn't be here. You know, it's something that you need to be confident in, in your abilities and the abilities of those that work around you. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, a couple of things. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll start with that one. But uh, I'm reading an interesting book, which I won't uh, provide the title of, um, but it does make reference of a friend of mine in that book uh, in the early part of the um contracting over there in Iraq um, but uh, that the, the, where I'm going with this is that that um, there's so many guys out there that um, and I've met a few girls gals uh, that kind of have the same thinking uh, that you know that do standard what we call standard security in the United yeah. States okay mm-hmm. probably have something similar over there in the UK uh, yeah. And, and they have all these myths, legends, misconceptions, and preconceived notions. And I've met and worked um, and talked with so many of them. And it's, but this book, it clarified something for me. I never really thought of it in these terms. But, you know, when you're listening to them, they're always, you know, resume selling. Yeah. <laughs> it just never stops. Yeah. You know, yeah. every time I meet them, every time we get together, yeah. it's yeah. like, you know, it's like you'd think that they were Johnny Rambo, 100%, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, dude, you, you'll never make it. But I, I'm not going to tell them that because. No, of course not. No. You know, you have to be polite just, and a bit diplomatic. <laughs> right. But it's like, you know, you, you'd never make it over there, man. Um, right. And, you know, and it, and not, you know, I, I've told that to a few few guys, but for the most part, I just kind of shut my mouth and just listen and just let them go on. But you're right. It, it is. Uh, the vetting process, yeah. uh, kind of what you were getting at with the guys. I mean, you know, once in a while, uh, eat, and that's different from the bad apple that gets in. Uh, but once in a while, somebody gets through and they just realize it's not for them and, and they leave. But that, but the vetting process has gotten so good these days oh, it's amazing. Um, that, that really, for the really, most really. part, when you get a new member, um, unless there's just a lot of personal stuff that didn't come out um, earlier, I mean, they're pretty uh pretty tight there yeah you know uh, i've spent most of my career in the diplomatic uh side of close protection so for us the vetting is very it's you know it's important in every on every contract but you know when you start working for embassies um you know and government organizations you you the, the company really that you're working for has to be on point with the vetting um you know you can't have some Rambo, who's watched too many movies, you know, somehow slipped through the net and get into because we really don't want that. It looks bad on, you know, on us, and it really looks bad on that individual. Um, you know, we most of the companies that I've worked for, we've had a thing where we train in, not select out. You know, so if if 
the guy meets the basic requirements, but he doesn't have the necessary experience, you know, but he's a good guy and he's been recommended, especially by somebody else. We will, you know, the companies that are, that I've worked for, will bring him in and, and we'll train him to um, the level that is required, you know, right. uh, to the same standard, if you want to call it that. But it's, like you said, the vetting processes these days have become extremely good at, you know, weeding out the guys that really would not cut it uh, in this sort of uh, guys and women who would not cut it in this industry. And um, that's that's a huge relief for the guys who are in the industry because the last thing we want is some some guys, you know, coming through to us that, you know, we now need to spend an enormous amount of time, you know, getting ready or, you know, making sure that they're, they're able to do their job, basically. Um, and it's just an added stress that we don't need. But more importantly, if something does happen, you need to know that the individual, you know, next to you is able to um, perform his role uh, adequately so that we don't have a serious problem on our hands. So, yeah. yes, the vetting process is very good. A lot of a lot of companies use outside agencies, civilian organizations to do full vetting. And I mean full. They, they check everything now. Um, you know, <laughs> people, people, you know, like you said, you know, these security guards that come up to you and say, hey, you know, listen, blah, blah, blah. I've done this course and that course and this course. Hey, how about, you know, could you maybe put in a word? You know, I'm the same. I, I'll never say no, but I'll, I'll say to them, guys, look, at this time, you know, we're not really recruiting or anything, you know, but I will keep it in mind. And, you know, you be polite. You don't want to just, you know, just, right. you, you, uh, you know, trample on somebody's dreams, you know. I would never do oh, that. Yeah. Right. But you have to be also a little bit honest as well and say, look, but, you know, if you really, really, really want to get into this industry, then I'm going to tell you the basic things that you need to do to get in. And after I've told them the basic things, the amount of money that you have to spend on doing a close protection course and mm-hmm. getting a, a basic medical qualification and uh, getting your, 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 your security clearances done. And, you know, it's just one thing after another, the medicals and all the rest of it, they quickly go, oh, do you know what? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll give it a miss because, you know, it's a lot of money and it's not, you know, you, you've got to pay out of your pocket to do these things. And a lot of the things you have to renew every couple of years, you know, you've got to renew, yeah. renew. So it's, you know, people don't realize that as well. They, like I said, a lot of, a lot of people or friends that I've had in the past come up to me and say, Hey, you know, can I get into this? And one of the big things that makes this like industry so difficult to get into is, you know, one, there's an abundance of people, uh, guys and, and women that are, are ready to deploy who have everything that is required. Um, so if you don't have every tick in the box, you are already at the bottom of the path. Um, right. You know, and one of the main things is is the the experience and the time served in either the military or the police. You know, um, mm-hmm. every single company I've worked for has asked for a minimum of X amount of years military or police service, uh, and have an exemplary service. So you can't you couldn't have been discharged dishonorably or anything like that. Um, and also have experience in that role that you are applying for to to work as. So if you are applying right. to be a close protection officer, even just a driver, they'll ex- they'll expect you to have some sort of, you know, uh, minimum amount of years in that area of operations, as, uh, you know, in that role. So right. it's very difficult. So you 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 know, like if say it is <laughs> Joe Blog from the streets who's never done anything in his life, it would take him close to seven years just to have the right qualifications yeah. to get into this line of work, you know? Um, oh yeah. And a, it, it stirs a lot of hot debates on a lot of forums that I've I've been on. 
where, you know, and I'm not saying that the, the civilian, you know, security guard or, you know, uh, cash and transit guy or whatever is not up to the standard. It's just I'm, I'm not the person who put these standards in place. These are the minimum requirements you need to work out here. And if you don't have them, you, you know, you could be the best guy ever. The companies won't take you because you, you don't meet the contractual requirements set by the client, which is just another thing. The client sets the, the standards. Right. Um, it's not like the company just, you know, pulls things out of the air and says, well, we want this. You need to be an underwater, <laughs> underwater knife fighter with the underwater welding experience. <laughs> and you know, it's not like that at all. Client will say, yeah, we require a minimum of this rank in the military or police. Uh, we require yeah. this many years. Da, 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 da. So it's very difficult to get into. And then once you're in, it's, it's not like you're in and you're in forever. Um, a lot of people think that once you're in, you're in. No, unfortunately, it doesn't work that, that way. You need to build up a reputation. You need to build up uh, a network of individuals, you know, who become your friends. And and that's really how I've managed to remain working every single day since the day I got out of the army, uh, out of the military in contracting because, you know, I've, I've managed to keep my nose clean and I've managed to, uh, you know, have a, a good network of friends who – if I message them tomorrow saying, hey, do you know anything available? If they did, they would definitely say, yeah, you know what? We have this going on here. And that's how it works. It's a very it's a very much who you know industry. Um, and that's what causes a lot of hot debates on the forums, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, it's not funny, but I do find some, you know, comedy value in, in reading some of the discussions <laughs> that go on in those forums. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or even in just in conversation with these people, it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. Is, and, and that's that's the other thing. I mean, uh, contracting in general is, is a very vast industry. But yes. as you as you go, you know, various industries, people don't realize, yeah, they they have contracts for construction. They have contracts for, you know, dining facilities. They have contracts for HVAC. I mean, you just go down the list. They're, they're oh, out there. Oil and gas. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, but pro- so private security or security, and then there's different types of security. I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. um, you know electronic you know guys that work on the electronics or the digital side of it. Intelligence. Um, yeah. Yes. So yeah, it's a huge, huge, huge industry. Um, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we're looking at billions and billions of dollars a year um, in revenue. You know, from contracts, like you said, ranging from. You know, static guarding positions on a base somewhere in Afghanistan to, you know, running around an oil rig, uh, an oil field with a client making, you know, taking him to go and do measurements and things like that to looking after, you know, an an embassy somewhere. It's a huge, huge array of different. um, And and that's the other the, the other great thing about this work that I found is that, you know, today I could be doing this, but tomorrow I could be doing that. And you there's always something different that if you felt like you wanted to change. It's it, you know the possibility is there, um, right? Which is which is good. It's another reason why they, you know a lot of guys stay because once they get a bit you know I wouldn't say bored but a little bit tired of doing what they're doing now they can you know decide you know I'm going to apply to go and and do this now uh, within the the contracting world and they remain on circuit. So, right. Yeah. yeah they, they they go to something just a little bit quieter, a little bit slower. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know the uh. You know the, so. So the private security or the security side of it, like uh, the personal protection, whether it's close protection, um, 
you know, or escorting guardian angels, all those different things. Um, that, that, that though is a very small segment in, in ratio or percentage terms. Um, so what you were harking, hearkening at earlier, just, uh, here recently was that, uh, you know, the, the further you get, the higher up the ladder you go, mm-hmm. the, the tighter the standards become. Extremely. And, uh, yeah. and the, and the amount of professionalism that is required, um, and yeah. that certain mindset, um, I mean, you've got to mind your P's and Q's. I used to tell guys all the time, dude, you need to 100%. dot that I. You might have that T sure. cross, but that I isn't dotted. <laughs> that I is the issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. That's um, very true. So, yeah. Right. So, um, you know, even when you're home on rotation, on vacation, you got to be careful what sure. you do. Because you are not only representing yourself, you're, resent, you're representing the guys you're working with. You're representing the company. And the agency or agencies that the company um, has contracts with that you are around when you're over there, um, if they if they find out about it, they're going to go, whoa, we don't want this well, dude over yeah, here anymore. 100%. Yeah, you, you have to be. It's the same as when you're in the military. You know, you just because you're out of the uniform, you're in civilian clothes. It doesn't mean you're, you're dissociated from the military anymore. It's the same with contracting. Although I'm at home and I'm. I'm in, I'm in other civilian clothes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I still, you know, I still represent, like you said, the company and the organization that I'm working for and the, the men and women that I work with. And I have a responsibility to behave accordingly. I can't just go off and do what I want and without any right. consequences. You know, if the company finds out that I've been misbehaving on, on, on leave or I've done something that brings the company to disrepute, there's not even a question. You will not be coming back on contract. You, right. And that's the other thing that other people, you know, that people don't realize is, you know, if, if, they, for any, if there's any reason that the company uh, thinks that you um, are not adhering to the standard set, uh, you will find yourself in hot water very quickly and, and more than likely find yourself either on a plane home or not coming back to work. So you have right. to be very mindful of your P's and Q's and your R's and, and you have to always, you know, like I said, for me and for most of the guys that I know doing this work, this is not a quick buck. It's not like it was back in the early days where you went out there and the big bucks for like, you know, a year and then you, you left, you know. Right, right. Most of the guys, I would say 90% of the guys that I work with, this is a career. You know, this is, they've chosen this as their chosen career and, and their lifestyle. Um, and it's, it's, it's my line of work. This is what I do for a living. I, right. I have no intention of just doing this for a certain amount of time and then getting out. You know, I'll do this until I can no longer do it anymore, and then I will leave. But uh, it's a career, and and the thing is, the companies these days they want that sort of mindset now. They do not want the because there's a lot of uncertainty when you hire somebody who has the mindset of, hey, I'm coming in to make a quick buck and leaving. Because at any stage you could drop you in 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 the proverbial. Um, by not returning to contract. And it's quite a process to get somebody from home onto contract. You know, they've got to go yep. through a long process. It takes a, a, a few weeks to get that person onto the contract. And then why, when they're on the contract to get their security and all the rest of it done, it's a long process. So if somebody decides last minute, hey, you know what, I've had enough. I'm no longer going to come back. Um, it puts the company in a position which they don't like to be in. Right. Um, and also, it's not fair on the guys here because that means somebody here would more than likely have to be, you know, 
extend a little bit longer than usual just mm-hmm. to cover those five, six days so they can get somebody to come on to replace that person. So there's a lot, you know, and we don't want those guys out here either because nine times out of 10, you know, at some point they are going to drop you and, and you're going to have to pick up the slack. No matter how good of a bloke he is, it's still, it's, you know, if I'm having to do your work for you, it's not, I'm not going to be too happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and we've, uh, plenty of times, um, um, that we, you, I, or other folks we know, um, had, you know, we had to pick up, we had to do just what you're talking Definitely, about, pick up the yeah. slack, do their job. And it's, and it's like, dude, I've, <laughs> my days are long enough. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially you know, the uh, gas, man. Oof, those oh, yeah. gas days. I remember yeah. my first day, I realized that that was something that I no longer wanted to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I got out there and I was like, okay, I need an exit strategy from this because, uh, yeah, they were long, long days starting at 530 in the morning and finishing at like 8 PM in evenings. And then mm-hmm. still having to, get some chai down you and speak to the family. They were very long days. And you're right. And the last thing you want is now to pick up somebody else's work or extend a little bit longer because they've dropped you basically um, for something else, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and there were, um, in my experience, you know, I'm sure uh, you've had your share too, where the, uh, you know, where they do get that Dear John letter when they get home, you know, or phone call or whatever it is Correct. from the company. Yeah. And, uh, you know, oftentimes we see it coming. We know it's happening. The person that's involved typically doesn't. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, dude, how can you not see it? It's right in front of yeah. you. you yeah, know? 100%. Yeah. That's uh, something that's always, like, really bugged me um, about the industry. You know, like, there's good things, there's bad things. That, that, for me, is one of the bad things is, you know, if and, – and the companies don't really do this anymore. But certainly when I started, there was a lot of times where, uh, you know – individuals would be sent home on leave and then told, you know, two weeks into the leave, hey, look, you're not coming back on contract, which I think is a little bit unfair. Uh, you know, if if there was any reason during their um, during their time in country that, you know, they are going to be dismissed, it should be dealt with before that person goes home, you know, so it gives them the opportunity to defend themselves in person. Right. And also, it gives them the opportunity to plan their life accordingly. You know, like right. we're, all, we're all guilty of it. You go home and you splash out on, you know, extravagant things for the first couple of weeks, and then you start to reel it in before you start going back to work. And if somebody is, if the companies know that you are not going to be coming back, they should tell you immediately. And that is what is happening now. So if right. somebody right. has broken the rules or, um, you know, done something that, that is warrant of dismissal, they will be told now, hey, look, you know, the chances of you getting dismissed are pretty high. So please, you know, bear that in mind. Da, 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 do you have anything? And there's a whole process now. Whereas back yeah. in the day, there was no process. You know, if somebody didn't like you in management, that was it. You got right. it, you know. Um, whereas nowadays, there's a process. And it's become more in line with, your, your, with you know, your every other businesses, and not just including security companies. Right. I'm talking about every business has a business ethic and a way of doing things. We've all come in line now with that, which is good. Uh, yep. And it's all part of that whole regulations thing, you know, like being a, being regulated by an outside agency to ensure that you're adhering to certain standards. It's also there for your protection to stop things like that happening, you know. Right. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen um, anymore. I'm sure it does. I'm sure there are companies that still do that sort of thing. But, you know, my opinion on the matter is, is I don't agree with it. The person should be told uh, before they go and leave um, that they won't be coming back, you know, so that they right. can plan accordingly. 
but well, no, you know. and, and then that's a, that is an important point to make. And and uh, you're right. I, I before I got out and and from what I hear, it, it you know it is pretty much like that. I mean, most companies, certainly the good ones, that is what they do, and they've developed 100%. a culture. Because they want to keep you, they like you said earlier, man. They've spent a lot of time and money on you, <laughs> you <Not> know. A lot. <laughs> so they, you know, yeah. they want to keep you around. They don't want to get rid of you. No, of course not. <laughs> you know, most companies, you know, like I said, a lot of the companies I work for, they train in, not select out. You know, so you know, they if they want you there, they will do everything they can to keep you there. But you know, if you break the rules, <laughs> you right. must know there are consequences. So. Oh yeah. You know, uh, something I want uh, that we kind of touched upon earlier that I, I want to um, uh, delve just a little bit into is that when we talked about offensive versus defensive operations, you know, a lot of and we talked about, you know, the myths and misconceptions in various forms of media and the people that we sometimes associate with um, when we're home is that, uh, you know, we're, when something happens, uh you know, when, when an event unfolds, we're not going to stand there and engage in them with them if we have to, unless we have to. I mean, our first no, of our yeah, first yeah. move Let's is get to out. get whoever we're yeah, get whoever we're yeah. with and um, get off the X, get out of harm's way and Correct. get somewhere else. I mean, that's we're not. I that mean, is the main uh, ethos. It's the main SOP is to remove your clients or clients and yourself from that situation. It's not to get further involved in that situation. Right. If anybody's finding themselves where they're trying to get further involved in that situation, they're not <laughs> doing their job, in my opinion. Like, right. You need to get away. <clears throat> There's no escape uh, and you have to hunker down and defend, then yes, you know, right. it, it, we become 100% defensive and we're going to meet whatever we're going to meet aggression with aggression you know um there there should be no uh you know misunderstanding there however our like you said 100 percent nail on the head get off the x get away from the situation as quickly as possible get to a safe location make sure your client is safe um and for most guys that come at you they understand this but you still do get the odd one or two who you know, come at you for the wrong reasons. And I have not bumped into any of those guys in, in, in several years because, mm. like you said, the vetting process has become really good at weeding out those individuals. Um, so, yeah, you know, we are, like like you said earlier, we are not an offensive operation at all. We are 100% defensive. And um, there's a saying that I used to say when I, um, a while back when I had a different role, and that was, I don't get paid for what I do. I get paid for what I might have to do. You know, right. Um, so and it's it's true to a certain extent. I mean, I, you know, you go out there with your clients and you, you know, taking them wherever and doing the th- the job. It's 90 percent boredom, <laughs> to be honest. <honored. laughs> You're bored constantly. OK, there's a lot. But you have to, you know, train your mind and your and, and, and get into a routine of, you know, what, let me start doing this, you know, uh, do these checks, do this, you know, constantly keep yourself busy. It's 90 percent boredom. But. That 10%, when things go sideways, they go sideways. And and you need to be, like, really on your game because yep. it's so – like, we have the saying, like, no no plan survives first contact. And that mm. is 100% <laughs> true in the world of contracting, you know. Yep. Uh, you've yep. got to be flexible and you've got to make sure that you – that you have you, – you've, you've got your, your, your stuff together, you know. Oh, um, yeah. 
but yeah, it's mostly boredom, standing around, you know, yeah, just just uh, waiting for people most of the time. <laughs> but you know, when something does happen, you need to you need to make sure you're able to react efficiently and and professionally. A lot of people think, you know, it's just about oh, you know, throw some bullets down the down the range and and uh, shoot your way out of things. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you're doing that, it's like a last resort and you've done something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's a huge misconception that, yeah. that it often comes up in, in talks or conversations or arguments with, with guys. And, and it's like, you know, uh, when they're talking about how good they are at the uh, indoor range, you know, shooting that static target, paper target, 25 it's a meters. Thing those bullets are coming back at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, that's awesome, man. I'm really glad, but how do you do when it's moving? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, true. but 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 the thing is, and, and, I, and I try to remind them, you know, when they talk about how good they are at fighting and shooting, it's like, hey, that's great. Those are all good, you know, hard um, things to have. Skills, but, yeah. you know, it, that's great if, if you can actually do it when it happens uh, in the real world. But what about your softer skills? I mean, because you got to remember, I'm not going to hang around and engage with with the hostile forces if I can get out of there. Why? It just 100%. makes sense yeah. to get out of there. Let uh, the police or the military or somebody else deal with it. I'm only going to engage 100%. if I have to. You know, even here at home, I mean, if I'm out on the streets, you know, if something happens, I mean, I'm not going to put my nose in it unless I have no, to. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah unless unless you, you you physically see, you know, something where you have to get engaged to, to save well, people's yeah. lives. At the end of the day, right. it's about saving people's lives, you know. Right. Um, I don't care about the, the vehicles or the equipment or I, they mean nothing to me or the building. It's about people's lives, you know. And you have to understand your your rules of engagement very clearly, and you have to understand them to the point where, you know, if somebody asked you, you could recite them word for word, you know, because yep. at the end of the day, when you find yourself in a situation, you need to be 100%, 110% sure that you are legally allowed to and that you've done everything in your power to to avoid that situation. If you haven't done that then you will find yourself in hot water again. Um, sure will. But don't get me wrong. It, you know, if like I said, if if there's no way out, we're going to meet aggression with aggression. That's just the, the how. That's why a lot of the individuals that work out here are ex-military guys with a lot of operational experience because yep. they found themselves <clears throat> in those situations before, and they're not going to, uh, you know, crumble under the the weight of a situation like that because right. it is. It's a huge weight. When it hits you, it's you know, you know, just to take it in. And realize what's going on is is big enough to now physically have to, you know, move your body and and do things to save somebody's life is another, right. you know, yep. um, which is why the experience thing comes in comes into play when hiring people. Yeah. It sure does. Hey, uh, Dwayne, um, uh, as we uh, get close to wrapping this up, and this has sure. been a wonderful conversation. Yeah, I mean, no, it really great. has. Um, what what uh, one or maybe more things uh, would you like the folks that are listening to uh, take away from this or bear in mind or, you know, going forward, sure. you know, something to consider? Um, uh, you know, <clears throat> the main thing that I would want people, you know, uh, you know, with this type of show, you can have a lot of contractors listening to, to the show. Um, I would like for them to, you know, let their family members listen to the show as well, because, you know, hopefully it will give them a better understanding of what it is we actually do. You know, I just want basically for me is I want people to to realize 
the exact job that we do is not what they've heard about from past misgivings by other companies and and uh, agencies that have you know had no accountability i want them to realize what it is we actually do and and at the end of the day is we are providing a service um for you know a multitude of different agencies and you know embassies and diplomatic missions to in places where there isn't the infrastructure for that own government of that country to do it you know like we are here to to earn a living correct however you know if you take the bigger picture in in the whole scenario is we're out here to help the agency we're working for make the country or you know the agency that they are helping better at what they do or to help them rebuild after years and years of corruption and war and things like that so we are providing a service to help make a change you know um, although it's on the security side and people often, you know, they often don't look at the security as uh, as a, uh, like a, a needed thing. They, 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 they see us as this, oh, we have to have them. But you can't perform your job in these countries without having security. You know, to do so would be at your own peril. And, and I just want people out there to realize that we are an organization of multiple nationalities all different walks of life shapes backgrounds and you know experiences and that and and the best thing for me uh, that i found is you know when one of the things i feared about the most when leaving the military was i was going to leave the whole brotherhood and of you know men and the banter and everything and all i've done is substitute the military for contracting because you know mm. we're a good bunch of guys that i've made some of the best friends i've, uh, I've ever made in my life at you and you know, and we're a good bunch of guys and everybody gets on really well. And, you know, there's an odd, you know, scuffle now and again, you know, where people uh, butt heads. But for the most part, we're all here for the same reasons. And we just, you know, we get a bit tired of the whole, oh, you're a mercenary gunfire, <laughs> which is not <laughs> the case. You know? and the, the whole thing for me is just change people's mindsets and you can change the industry, you know. So, right. Wow. Yeah. Well spoken. Uh, <laughs> I had that written out and I was just, you know, <laughs> just yeah. Dwayne, man, it's been a, it's been a, it's been an awful uh, pleasure for me. I mean, I, this hey, has been, this has been great. It. And uh, so I want to remind folks, uh, my guest on this show, uh, Dwayne Thompson, uh, currently on contract, uh, basically on the other side of the world right now. And uh, with that said, uh want to say thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode uh, on Oconus, The Contractor's Life. Uh, tune in next time, and until then, keep it real.